And what's going on, everybody? This is Roderick. Welcome to another episode of The Far Side of Midnight, a podcast for mythology, folklore, story reading, and all kinds of other cool stuff. And today's theme is fairies. So I'm going to read a I'm going to read two different stories for you. One comes from a book of fairy tales, and the other one is an original story that I've written myself. And um, yeah, so fairies are pretty cool. Fairies and nature spirits, although they are synonymous with one another, they are two distinctly different things because when we're talking about fairies, they do originate in Irish folklore. Now, the the ancient, excuse me, the Irish called them fairies, but there are other equivalents of fairies or nature spirits or elemental spirits and other types of cultures like pretty much any culture you think of has some kind of elemental spirits they have the jinn in uh, ancient arabia they have the azizi in west africa which are their equivalent to fairies they are the menehunes in the polynesian folklore like they're like little people that um sort of like dwarves a little bit they they are said to dig holes like uh, and create fish ponds and they love fish and many people in the Polynesian islands have claimed to see these spirits. And in China, they even have an equivalent to um, fairies. They have one called the Xianu, Xianu, and they have the Jingli. And both of those are the Chinese types of fairies. But um, they are really unique in Ireland because in Irish folklore, somewhere around 1300 BC, they talk about the Tuatha Dunan, Tuatha Dunan. I, I never say it properly because I don't speak the Irish language yet. <laughs> yeah, Tuatha Dunan. So Tuatha Dunan were these people who came from some unknown place into Ireland thousands of years ago, and they are said to be pretty much indistinguishable from the other Irish tribes that already lived on the island. So there are several different ones. There was the Milesians, yeah, Milesians, the people from Mil, and the Firbulgs. And the Firbulgs were another group of uh, tribesmen that were basically overthrown by the Tuatha Danan. The Tuatha Danan had many gifts. They, they were said to know things like magic. They, can, uh, they knew about medicine. You know, they can manipulate different things and they were just like these well-gifted people, and they were like the original faith folk of Ireland. And what had happened was the they were overthrown by the well. First, they fought the fear bulls. They defeated their king, and then the when the fear bulls basically, uh, you know, resisted to them, the Twelfth of Danann ended up having a war and losing the war. Well, there's different. There's actually different stories. One story is that they they fought the Milesians, and the Milesians basically exiled the <laughs> the Tuatha Dé Danann people, and they ended up like leaving and building these mounds and going underground and becoming like these fairy folk that lived underground. These like cave dwellers. And another story, another account is that they knew that they were going to lose. And yet another account says that, to, that uh, Tuatha Danann, after they lost from the Milesians, 
they shrunk their bodies and became small, which gave rise to this popular pixie kind of Tinkerbellish style fairy that we see today. So it's kind of interesting. So yeah, I recommend like looking more into that. You know, um, it's a it's pretty cool because the Tuatha Dé Danann also has um, the the Irish pantheon associated with them. Gods like um, Danu and Mordigan. Mordigan is my favorite because she's like a warrior god. It's like a Wonder Woman symbol of the Raven. You know, she would um, she would assist the warriors on the battlefield. You know, so yeah, it's it's really interesting stuff. But what I'm going to read today is I'm going to read a story out of a wonderful fairy tale book. It's kind of a dark story. It's not like a very happy story, but I figure I'm going to read this one first and then I'll tell you my original story, which is a lot happier. So this first story comes from a book titled Fairy Tales for Life, a collection of 14 original short stories. And I'm going to read one story from it. And the author is Linda Champion, and it's illustrated by Rose Fonte. And it says here that this book was the San Francisco Book Festival winner. And I had the pleasure of meeting the, the author almost two years ago today. I was uh, with my now fiance. Uh, we weren't dating yet, but we were like kind of dating, but not saying we're dating. But uh, we went to the Fair Oaks Chicken Festival one of the famous festivals of Fair Oaks, California. And upon hanging out that day, there was all these different kiosks around the, the little village. And I see this like fairied out woman, you know, and she had her books for sale. And I looked at the, the artwork and talked to her and I just couldn't resist. I had to buy it. And she, of course, autographed the book for me and addressed it to me. And it's pretty neat. So, yeah. So anyway. Yeah, Fairy Tales for Life. I uh, highly recommend you get a copy of it. It's a wonderful book. And now for the first story. A Mother's Love Once there was a woman who longed to have children of her own. Each night she prayed that she might be blessed as others to experience this special kind of love. Years passed, but with no child. When her husband died, the woman realized that her one great wish would never come true. Oh, how I wish I could even have a year of motherhood, cried out this very sad woman. Now it so happened that an equally sad fairy lived nearby in the neighborhood. This fairy's grief stemmed from the fact that she had been born without wings, while all of her fellow fairies Flitted from flower to flower on their beautiful wings, this fairy had to walk through briar and brush to get where she wanted to go. If only I could have a pair of wings like the other fairies, she lamented. Well, a fortune would have it, the path of the sad woman and that of the sad fairy crossed one day. The fairy was trudging past the woman's house when she heard crying coming from within. Who cries so, wondered the fairy. So she walked up to the door and knocked on it. In a moment, the door opened. Who was there? Asked the woman who had been crying. 
She looked all about, but saw no one. Look down, said the fairy, who was only three inches tall. Why, there you are, exclaimed the woman. You look like a fairy, but where are your wings? The fairy was irritated by the woman's comment, but she kept her anger in check. A plan was beginning to hatch in her head. May I come in, asked the fairy. Of course you can, said the woman, quickly drying her eyes. She was a very sorrowful woman, but she had not lost her desire to welcome anyone who came to her door. She graciously offered the fairy some tea and honey cakes. Why, thank you, said the fairy as the refreshments disappeared into her tiny mouth. Tell me, said the fairy, why do you weep? I heard your sobs as I walked past your door. I cry for the children I never had, said the woman in a very quiet voice. My husband is dead, and I am now old. My hope for children fades with each passing day. Sorry to hear this, said the fairy, but perhaps I can help you. Oh, could you? asked the woman, brightening. But how? What I want is not possible. The mind of the fairy was now working at hyperspeed. It may be not for a mortal, but it is certainly well within the power of a fairy, even one without wings, said the fairy. Tell me, why do you want children? I want to experience the love a mother has for her very own, said the woman. Done, said the fairy, as if she and as she waved her wand over the woman. By tomorrow, your wish will be granted, but there is one thing I need from you. After 15 years from today, you must agree to lose everything you have. Is that okay? Without hesitation, the woman said, yes, to the fairy. She was now filled with hope for a new life. The fairy smiled, thinking about her new life too. She thought about the great book of fairy spells. In this volume was listed spell number 4568921. It stated that, any wish not within the power of a fairy would be granted if a fairy could get a human to agree to lose everything. Only in this way could the fairy get her wings, since wing-wishing was not a faculty possessed by fairies. The little creature left the woman's home, delighted with the agreement she had gotten. She found herself wondering what color her wings would be. The woman was also happy. She found herself singing as she made preparations for her children. After a flurry of cleaning and cooking, she finally went to bed. The woman tried to sleep, but there was none to be had. She was just too excited as she lay at her bed waiting for the next day. Early in the morning, she heard the sound of children's voices coming from her kitchen. The woman's heart began to beat with great joy. Is my wish finally fulfilled? Are these the sounds of my very own children? With great excitement, she sprang out of her bed and hurried to the, to the direction of the voices. There, standing in her kitchen, were a golden-haired boy and a girl with long, flowing brown hair. Good morning, dear mother, said the children. Their voices were like the sounds of angels. 
The woman, now a mother, quickly gathered, gathered up her children in her arms, hugging them, saying, Good morning, my sweet children. Let me get your breakfast. The woman's life now became a happy one. She loved her children beyond the love of an ordinary mother. Everything that she had to, everything that she could do for them, she did. She cooked them delicious meals, sewed them beautiful clothes, and filled their heads with stories and, of course, their ABCs and numbers. I have the most wonderful children in the world. They are all that I have ever hoped for, she told herself every day. The years went flying by. Soon the 15th year since the children first, first appeared would be here. The woman remembered what she had promised the fairy. But not to worry. She had thought of a way to fulfill her obligation. She would give the fairy a great pile of gifts that she had made. There were beautiful garments, each carefully sewn, with no opening for wings. And she remembered that the fairy was lacking these unusual fairy parts. She also baked a great quantity of her best cakes and the other very delicious treats for the fairy. On the eve of the 15th year, the fairy appeared before the woman. As promised, it is now time for you to lose everything, said the fairy. But look at all that I have for you, kind fairy, said the woman as she pointed to the great mound of gifts. Why, thank you, said the fairy as she gathered up all that had been made for her. Sadly, dear reader, the fairy had more in mind. She knew that if she were to procure her wings, the woman would have to give up everything she had. Goodbye, said the fairy, as she left with a great pack on her back. Goodbye, dear fairy, said the woman, breathing a sigh of relief. The woman now believed that her promise had been fulfilled. She called for her children, now young adults, to come to dinner. The three sat down in an, un, in a usual, and as usual, began eating the, their dinner and sharing the news of the day. I have chopped wood for you, dear mother, said the young man. I have sewn your cloak to keep you warm, sweet mother, said the young woman. After washing the dishes, locking the doors, and of course, giving each other goodnight kisses, the little family retired to their respective beds. During the night, the mother's dreams were fulfilled with a strange foreboding. But the next day, she brushed aside her unease and rose from her bed to make the, to make the morning meal. First, she reached for some wood to start the fire in her stove. But where there had been a neat pile of wood that the night before, there only stood an empty rack. No matter, she thought, I can quickly chop up some more wood. She went outside to complete the task. As she lifted an axe, the words of the fairy reverberated in her mind. You must agree to lose everything you have. At that very moment, the woman dropped the axe and fell hard into the ground. She cried out in pain, help, help. The mother expected her children to come running to her, but instead they continued to sleep in their beds, realizing 
that they were not coming, she struggled to her feet and hobbled into the house. Help, help, children, she cried. Her children finally did rise from their beds, but when they learned that their mother wanted them to chop wood, they drew back in horror. You want us to work? They cried. Not me, shouted the son. Not me, shouted the daughter. Then both children whined. When are you fixing our breakfast? The mother could not believe her ears. Her children's lack of caring frightened her. Still, the mother struggled to make breakfast, even without any firewood. I don't like cold cereal, complained the daughter. I want hot tea, demanded the son. The day went on when the children bickered about this and that. Also, more things began disappearing. The woman found that her cow was gone and that she discovered that her chickens had wandered off. So there wasn't any milk, nor were there any eggs. Plates and cups began to crack and then break into pieces. The table and chains wobbled and then fell on the floor. The complaints of the children continued. The woman's hair began to gray and her face now a collection of wrinkles. The children now found that their mother to be a most disagreeable sight. Feeling this revulsion, the woman remembered the words of the fairy. You must agree to lose everything you have. The woman cried out to the fairy, Please, dear fairy, I am losing all. Please come and help me. The woman was now sobbing. Please help me, dear fairy. Hearing the words, the fairy did finally appear. What do you want? asked the fairy. This day I have lost many things. I fear I am losing my children. They're, they're not as all that they were. I hardly know them. They only look to me with disgust. Well, I'm sorry to hear this, but a deal is a deal. If I'm to get my wings, you must lose everything. Just then... The woman's children entered the house. Mother, we have something to tell you. Since you are such a fright, one that we can't bear to look upon, we are leaving you. Our new friend, who was very wealthy, has offered us a wonderful new home full of comforts you can no longer provide. We just came by to get our things. The two children quickly collected all that their mother had given them and then left her without a kiss or even a farewell. The mother cried out in great pain, My children! My children! The house began to shake, but the mother and the fairy had to hurry outside. It was a great earthquake. Everything that the woman still had was now shaking, and with one final jolt all came crashing down as the house fell. Part of it landed on the woman. The mother now lay dying. She saw that the fairy was unharmed. Just then, she heard a great tinkling of bells and then a mighty puff. Two beautiful blue wings now appeared on the shoulders of, a fair, of the fairy. I have my wings at last. I have my wings, exclaimed the fairy. But what about me? Can you not help me? cried the woman. Well, I already did that, said the fairy. I'm sorry, you now have nothing, but you did get what you wished for. 
With these last words, the fairy disappeared. The woman tried to escape, but it was no use. Sadly, dear listener, she sobbed and then quietly closed her eyes. And her life slipped away. The end. Well, that was not the happiest story, but <laughs> certainly a pretty decently written one, I think. It kind of reminds me of another form of elemental spirits coming from the Middle East, from Arabia, ancient Arabia, called the jinn. Now, there's different interpretations of the jinn, but there's a semi-popular horror movie trope about the jinn that grants wishes. And for you to get what you wish for, the jinn would get one soul. So it's kind of like that. And also remember that fairies were not only cute, Tinkerbell, happy kind of beings, but they were capable of playing pranks on people, which is why in Ireland today, there are still fairy mounds and old tales of watch out for fairies. But um, I'm going to say this. I love fairy lore, even though the story <clears throat> is quite dark in a way. I have written my, I have been writing my own fairy lore for a few years now. I'm just kind of, going to advertise this for myself i'm currently writing a graphic novel for those of you who are not familiar with reading graphic novels that is a visual novel and um, like a comic book and i'm going to put it online and i hope to finish it by the summertime because i've spent three years writing an actual fairy lore i have um, my own mythology i have fairy gods and goddesses and i've mixed it with like a modern setting so anyway I will keep you posted on that, but we have one more tale to read, which is quite different from this one. So I wanted to say again for Fairy Tales for Life from Linda Champion, that story that I read, A Mother's Love, came from this book. It's a wonderful book. And again, I'm not getting paid for this. I just wanted to recommend this book. It's uh, wonderful for adults. But there are stories in here that are great for children. So this is my final story for the evening. And it's going to be a happier story. It's not going to be a doom and gloom story <laughs> or anything like that. But um, I hope you like it. It is an original story that I created. So this one's called The Prince of Avalon. The Prince of Avalon. Avalon is a world of the four elemental fae. The Fae of Earth, the Fae of Wind, the Fae of Sea, the Fae of Fire. All four corners of the Earth, Avalon pervades. Deep in, beneath the Earth and high above the Earth's surface is this magical fairy realm. In North America, deep in the rainforest, there is a young Fae named Ilifad. Ilifad is the son of the mighty king, Arkor. Arkor mentioned to his two sons, your day of proving has arrived. Ilifad and your brother Lenoka, you must prove yourself to be the king. Ilifad was more of a misfit of the Fae. He loved to play games. He wasn't particularly adept in the magic of the Fae. He was better at music than his brother, Linoka, but Linoka had amazing powers 
he can control many animals. He can influence the bears to dig for more honey. He can influence the bees to produce more honey. He helped the caterpillars spin their cocoons in the springtime. He helped the otters find fish. He was adept at singing and working with all the different animals. He helped grow the mushrooms from the ground, from the roots to the top. He even would help the trees grow big and strong and sink their roots deeper into the earth with his magic. One would say that Lenoka was the best fairy gardener. He was so adept at the mushroom magic, the oak tree magic, the fern magic, bear magic, wolf magic. He knew all of it. And Ilifad was not as adept. Ilifad had to, he had to wonder, what can I do to prove so that I can be the king of this realm someday? So he went out, he flew really high above a birch tree. He found a bird's nest. I'm going to sing to this bird and I'm going to teach this young bird to fly. He pulled out his magical fae flute and with a blow of a few notes, the bird was actually disturbed and it cried, get away from me, go away from me. This discouraged Lefad and he flew down and climbed into the hole near the bottom of a tree. Hmm, maybe I can help this mole find a worm to eat. So he pulled out his flute again, and with a blow of a note, startled the mole. And with his big hands and big claws in his front paws, he dug deep into the earth, into the moist soil. Go away, you're disturbing me with that thing. Learn how to play before you come back. Uh, what am I going to do now? Even more discouraged, Lefad did not know, so he flew on top of a gigantic sunflower on the edge of the rainforest. And he noticed a quaint blue house in the distance, and he was watching his human neighbors. He watched a sister and a brother bickering over the last piece of chocolate cake. Hmm. Humans are some funny creatures. I don't know what makes them so special. He flew back deep into the rainforest and he noticed something that disturbed him greatly. It was not the startled mole. It was not the crying baby bird. It was not even his own challenge of competing with his brother Lenoka for being the prince of the Avalon realm. It was something much worse that he saw in the forest that he could not believe his own fairy eyes that existed. He looked upon the ground and saw this disgusting spectacle with disbelief. It was a piece of trash on the ground, a Starbucks cup, and a human being walking away who had just tossed it to the ground. The name of the cup said Bob, a half-drunken latte plastic cup on the ground who dares to soil this beloved sacred site i will surely stop him from doing this in the fad went away and hid behind the birch tree he took out his flute ah oh, forget about it i'm no good at playing this thing anyway he threw it against a tree he cr clenched his fist very tightly 
and he said a few magical words. Fairy might, fairy sight, help me do a great fight. Fairy might, fairy sight, help me put up a grand fight. And as he said this over and over, his size grew to the size of a human. From once was a small mushroom-sized fairy, was quite big. He grew over six feet tall. He still looked like a fairy, slightly pointy ears with a little bit of peach fuzz on the ears. Small studded horns in his head that can barely be seen. He was a towhead. His hair was almost white. His skin was sort of beigey color, creamy color. And he had those fairy eyes that had a twinkle of mischievous in them. Hmm. What to do now? Ah. Is this Bob? It was not Bob. It was another human being. It was a woman coming by. She was smoking a cigarette and she flicked it on the ground. How dare you do that? Clean that up right now. The woman got so scared, not knowing who or even what screamed at her. She picked up her cigarette butt and ran off. Ah, now I know what to do. So Ilifad walked deep into the bushes. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm too big to climb back into the hole to descend into the Avalon. I cannot go like this. My family won't even recognize me. He closed his eyes, took a deep breath. He said a few magic words. Shrink me, shrink me, make me small, make me the opposite of being tall. His size became, once again, his normal face size. He descended back into the realm of Avalon and went to his father. The day of proving has arrived, King Alcor spoke. Lenoka, come bear your gift. What do you prove to be to be the king, to be the prince? Ah, well, I'm able to command more animals before. I can command the rabbits to run quickly to their safety away from the hawks. I can make more flowers grow. The king encore. Well, you know, that's not entirely that special. You're very good at what you do. But um, let's see if your brother Ilifad has something to add. Ilifad said, yes, father, I can clean up the forest. Lenoka said, how do you clean up the forest? What do you mean? The forest is very pristine. Ah, but it is not my brother. You have failed to notice an enemy has arrived here. This enemy is called Trash. And us fae normally cannot clean it up. Hmm, said the king. I think he is right. Just the other day I was taking a walk and I I noticed a chewing gum wrapper on the ground. <laughs> well, my gift is much more special, said Lanoka. And then the king said to Ilifad, if you can prove to me that you can magically Clean the forest with your powers, and I will make you the prince. Fine, I'll do it tomorrow morning. And then when the next day arrived, as the sun peered above the lake, and all the animals are coming out of the slumber, Lanoka and the king and Ilifad appeared. This time, Lanoka sat on the edge of the bird's nest on a, bir on a great birch tree, waiting for another human to walk by. Okay, brother, let's see what you have. Prove to us what you can do. 
Okay. Elifad used his magic words and grew to a great human size, something that the king and Lenoka had never seen in their days of being in Avalon. They never even conceived of it. The king looked so surprised. This sort of reminds me of the ancient ancestors from the Tirnagog. It is like the reverse of their power, said King Encore. Wait, I'm not done, Dad. Eliphaz's voice had grown much deeper with his size. And then the same man from the day before walked by, the man who had the latte cup, but this time he was sipping two drinks simultaneously. He finished one drink and tossed it over his shoulder. Eliphaz runs quickly out, grabbing the drink out of the air before it hits the ground and says, Excuse me, sir, you've dropped something. He hands it back to the man. Why, thank you. Wait, 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 wait. Don't go away yet. Not so fast, said Eliphaz. If you're going to enjoy the beauty and grandeur of this magic, this magnificent rainforest, you must do all of humanity a favor and all the fae a favor. Never litter. It is disgusting. Please don't do it. Okay. I won't do it. Um, okay, we are, we're all in this together. We are all in this together. And Bob went off. Enjoy your day, sir. Enjoy your day, too, sir, said Eliphaz. And when Bob walked away, Eliphaz shrunk down to his normal fairy size. Bob turned around for one last glance and not seeing anything. But something had changed on Bob. Not only was he inspired not to throw more litter on the ground, something else had stayed with him. It wasn't a mere memory. It wasn't a mere reminder to be cleaner as he was walking through the forest. But Eliphaz had placed something in his pocket. A reminder. A reminder of the magic. A reminder of, one can say, is friendliness a symbol? He placed in there his flute. And the fat had given his magical flute. And legend says that from that day forward, every time Bob blew into the flute, a baby bird learned to fly. A mole would learn to catch the worm. And perhaps one more human being was inspired not to litter for the gleam of the trees and the majesty of the damp grass, the dew of the morning, caught the eyes of every human who walked through that path from that day forward. Meanwhile in Avalon, King Encore presented him, both of his sons. You are both going to be princes. Not one is better than the other. You both have your special gift and your special job. Lonoka, you can whisper to the animals and sing to them. Ilifad, you can become a giant like the humans, like the great Tuathatanan. This is special. The end. So I hope you enjoyed that story. That's my original story. And, um... Thank you for supporting this podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Share this episode. And if you haven't, please follow me. I will continue doing many, many different stories, all types. And if you want, you can request other stories for me.
Thank you. And I will see you all next time for another episode. Thank you.